0: Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, my name is Pete, and I have the joy of uh, directing Chi Alpha. And uh, we just started a series last week called The Way Forward, um, where we are walking through the gospel, uh, not the gospel. Sorry. Uh, second, we're walking through the Book of Acts. The, the, anyways, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, and the sequel is Acts. But um, so we're walking through the Book of Acts, and the Book of Acts is a very unique book that's different than any other book in the in the Council of Scripture because it is the one who tells us how the gospel went from uh, really common, ordinary. In fact, what they say in the Book of Acts, they call them unschooled and ordinary people. From a rural town in Galilee to a global movement that finds itself in Rome. And it ends with the words that the gospel was went forth unhindered. And so how did the gospel go from uh, a little enclave of people in rural Galilee to in the center of the, of the world in that day. I mean, this, this was the power city of the world and it's moving forward unhindered. How did that happen? Well, the gospel, not, not the gospel, the, the book of, uh, of Acts tells us how that happened. And without that book, where would we be? Where would our understanding be of how it all unfolded? So that's the journey we're on. And tonight we come to installment two of the journey, <clears throat> I mentioned last week that uh, over 21 years, I've only spoken on the book of Acts one time. And our passage tonight, in fact, before I came here, I, my son asked me, what are you speaking on tonight? And I said, I'm going to speak on Acts 2 and, and uh, talk to him about, well, he, he, he knew uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. He, I said, it's only the second time in 21 years I've done an m l on this topic. And he said, wow, he said, I'm so glad you're doing it because it's really important. (laughs) So that's from my son, 17 years old. Um, And can I tell you, our passage tonight transformed my life when I was your age. Our passage tonight, when I was 17 years old, transformed my life. I'm going to end with that story. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to uh, look at what happened on the day of Pentecost. But before we get to there, I have a verse that... Uh, This year, as I was reading the Bible through, when I came to this verse, I'm like, yes, this is my heart, and specifically my heart for tonight. It comes from Psalm 71, 18, and it says this, even when I am old and gray, or old and bald, you can put it in there for me, but um, I hope to be gray, (laughs) but I think I'm going to be bald. So anyways, that's a different story, or am bald, whatever the case may be. Okay, Uh, even when I'm old and gray, do not forsake me, my God until i declare your power to the next generation your mighty acts to all who are to come when i read that i'm like yeah lord that's that's my heart like help me just to proclaim your mighty acts to the next generation one of the things that i want for my three kids is for them to have a personal understanding and personal experience with the power of the Holy Spirit. I want that for my kids, and I, and I thought, well, if I want it for my kids, then I want it for the people that I pastor, right? That I, I don't want you just to read about it. I, I want you to have a personal knowledge and experience with the power of the Spirit in and through your life. And so I, I say that because tonight, I, I don't... That's my heart. It, it's, it's a Really, it's a parental heart. Like, if I want it for my kids, then I want it for you because, you know, I'm, I'm your pastor. And it's a pastoral heart. So what we're going to do tonight, we're going to look through uh, the, the second chapter of Acts. And we're just going to let the data of Scripture speak, okay? I, I'm going to actually expound very little on things. I just want to let the data of what is laid out... Um, do the work, and I'm going to be a little bit, little bit of a tour guide. And what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the flashpoint of what was the moment that when, when the gospel is going forward unhindered in Rome, what was the flashpoint that got it from here to here? And we're going to look at this moment that set everything in motion to where it went to the ends of the earth. So we're going to look at four things uh, tonight. We're going to look at what was the expectation that Jesus set for the day of Pentecost. Then we're going to look at what was the event of Pentecost, then we're going to look at the explanation that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost, and we're going to look at the evidence of Pentecost. I'm going to tell you my story, and we're going to call it a day. Sound good? All right, so let's go. Uh, First of all, the expectation for the day of Pentecost. This is actually a little bit of review from last week, but we're going to start here. First, we're going to start in the Gospel of Luke because Luke is the first part, Acts is the second part, and they kind of overlap about like this, okay? So the very last chapter of Luke, Acts 1 picks up on in the same place, and, they, and he quotes Jesus twice. And what Jesus is doing in both of these places is he's telling them what to expect after he ascends into heaven. And so here's what he says in, in Luke 24:49. He says this, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. And so, as he sets the expectation, he tells them to expect what? That they will be clothed with power from on high. Now, two verses earlier, he talks about how he's sending them out to share the gospel to all the nations. But he's saying, but stay in the city until you've received this power from on high that is going to clothe you. Okay. Then last week, we looked at the second verse, and this is Acts 1.8. And so, again, Jesus is setting the expectation of what the day of Pentecost will be about. What will the day be? Like, what is he going to do? What's the purpose? And it says this, you will, everybody say this, receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Why? Why would you give me this power? And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. He's saying this, stay in Jerusalem because I have a power that I want to put on you. And by the way, that word power, as it's used through the book of Acts, refers to a couple different things. It's used multiple times in the book of Acts. One, t- one way it's used a couple times is it means they get power for boldness. Anybody ever get scared to, sh- to talk about Jesus? Well, if you think you get scared talking talk about Jesus at UVA, put yourself where they were, where people where Jesus just got killed, and they're being arrested. And so he's saying, I'm going to give you a power to have a boldness that will overcome your fears, where your yes to Jesus will be big enough to overcome those fears. And then... Most of the time, when the word power dunamis in the Greek is used throughout the book of Acts, it speaks of miraculous power. That miracles are going to happen because of this power that they're going to receive. Now, I know we would like to kind of just keep it simple and like just stick to, but that's what we see as we walk through the book of Acts. This power gives them boldness and brings the miraculous into their work. Now, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said this, don't go yet. And I talked about this last week. They had the best discipleship anybody's ever had. They had the best teaching. They saw all the miracles. They had a front row seat to it all. They got to talk to him after he had been resurrected for 40 days. But he says this, your intellect is not enough. Your abilities are not enough. Your savvy is not enough. As good as all those things were that Jesus invested in them as he discipled them, they were great. They were important. They were absolutely necessary But Jesus said you still need something else, and that something else was you need the power of the Holy Spirit to fulfill the plans and purposes I have for you, so don't go yet. What is the day of Pentecost about? What did Jesus say it was about? It's about receiving power to be a witness. John Piper asked this question, and I want to give you his quote. What is the heart or the essence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit? I have said that I do not think the essence is new birth or conversion or being united to the body of Christ. What is it then? I think the essence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is when a person who is already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ-exalting ministry and I say amen to that. How did he come to that conclusion? Because he looked at the text, because he looked at the verses we just looked at in other verses. Now, Piper was also quick to say that he knows there's other views out there. Um, There's other views under the umbrella of orthodoxy that people understand it slightly differently, but, but I, I like what he says. Go ahead and put up the next slide. I like what he says. He says, I, I know there's other views under orthodoxy, and you don't have to agree with me to be a part of the fellowship. I would say the same thing, but he says this, but this is, but it is one that I'm increasingly persuaded is correct and desperately needed in the church. And again, I would say, I agree Desperately needed in the church. Well, let me say this. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit. The moment you call on the name of Jesus, you are born again and you're regenerated and you're given new life from above. You have the power, uh, the new life of the Spirit in you. I like to say it this way. Well, I heard this and I always remember at salvation, the Holy Spirit lives in you for your sake. At the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the sake of others. In other words, let me put it, this, put it this way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not fundamentally for you. It happens to you. And it is consequential for you. But it's not fundamentally for you. It's for the world that God wants you to reach. The power of the Spirit comes on you to empower you to be His witness In the world, so you can have boldness and power to fulfill his plans and purposes for your life. So, what was the expectation that Jesus? I mean, this isn't me speaking, this is Jesus speaking, okay? These are the words of Jesus, the the, the two verses we looked at. It is about receiving power. Okay, now we're gonna hop into Acts 2. We're gonna look at the event of the day of Pentecost. So, um, let's read. Says this: When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Okay, what was the day of Pentecost? I'm so glad you asked. The day of Pentecost was a a harvest festival on the Jewish calendar. Okay, there were uh, seven different uh, festivals that were observed every year in the Jewish calendar, and the last spring. Uh, festival was what was actually called a pilgrimage feast, where people would pilgrimage in. All the Jews and God-fearers who, had, uh, who, who were following Yahweh would come in from all the nations, and they would come into Jerusalem. And there were three of them a year, and one of them was the day of Pentecost. So it is on this day, on the day of the harvest festival, that Jesus pours out His Spirit to equip and empower people to bring in the harvest. And here's what happened. Okay, so the disciples, Jesus ascended into heaven on day 40, 40 days after Passover. On day 50, that's why it's called Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. On day 50, that means the disciples for the last 10 days have been been getting up, put on their pants, getting together, praying together, saying, well, I guess it's not going to happen today. We'll come back tomorrow. They don't know when it's going to happen, okay? But on the day of Pentecost, here's what it says, verse 2. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that appeared and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay, let's talk about those three things that happened. A mighty wind comes roaring through it. And have you ever been in a windstorm? Okay. Um, A windstorm can freak you out. Like you're like, right? A mighty wind comes blowing through, comes into the house, and then it says, Tongues of fire come and Go over each person's head. By the way, throughout the Old Testament, God's presence is often made known through fire. So, this is God saying, This is me, okay? And tongues of fire come to rest on each of them. And then it says that they begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enabled them. Now, here's what it doesn't say And they begin to speak in in other tongues as the Holy Spirit put them in a trance and they had an out of body experience. That's not what it says. It says the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began to speak in other tongues as they were enabled. In other words, they went from praying and praising in their native tongue and as they were enabled by the Spirit, it transitioned into speaking in tongues. It wasn't an out-of-body experience. They weren't in trances. And now let's see what happens. Verse 5. Now these... Or, now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, and I don't know if it's the sound of the wind or the sound of everybody speaking in tongues. We're not told just this sound, okay? A crowd came together in bewilderment because, listen to this, each one heard their language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these... Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Because they weren't known for having a bunch of languages, okay? We'll just say that. Then how is it that each of us hear our own native tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phygia and Pamphylia. I mean, that's a lot of languages. Would you agree? Egypt and all the parts of, uh, of Libya near Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs says this, we hear them, what? Declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And it says this, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Oh, verse 13. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much to drink. (laughs) The Bible's so honest. Okay, why did this happen? As they are praying in tongues, what we find out later is at least 3,000 people gather around. We're talking a massive crowd, and they're hearing the gospel proclaimed, or the wonders of God proclaimed in their own language, which, by the way, is the only time in the Bible when tongues are mentioned that it is understood by people around them. Other times, there's a gift of interpretation where God gives them insight to what's being prayed, and then it's interpreted. Now, does God still do this? Yeah, I know of people who have spoken in language they did not ever learn. Ask me those stories later. I don't have time for it tonight. But other times, we know that, the, that, that uh, interpretation, the spiritual gift of interpretation is needed according to 1 Corinthians 14. Okay, having said that, they are hearing this. And you say, why is this happening? Because it is a microcosm snapshot picture of the purpose of the day of pentecost the purpose of the day of pentecost do you remember is that they'll receive power so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth and in this moment when all nation under nations under heaven luke says are in jerusalem that now the gospel the goodness and the glory of god is being proclaimed and it's like the microcosm fulfillment of what the empowerment of the spirit is all going to be about that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Isn't that awesome? That, that Jesus in his sovereignty chose the day of Pentecost when all nations were there to the pour out his spirit to empower people to the ends of the earth. Okay, now on this day, there are three different types of experiences people had. One, people were speaking in tongues and, and were baptized in the Holy Spirit, right? Secondly, people were amazed and perplexed. Anybody relate to that? That's amazing, but that's kind of weird. Anybody? OK, some of you aren't being honest, but uh, that's OK. And they says, "What does this mean? In other words, I'm interested and curious, but I've got some questions. <laughs> All right? That's what? And then others just made fun of them. That's Looney Tunes. I just want to ask you a question: Which camp do you fall in? On the day of Pentecost, when they ask, what does it mean? Peter stands up and tells them what it means, which this is the explanation of the day of Pentecost. And we'll hit these last two pretty quick. So Peter stood up with the 11, it says, verse 14, and raised his voice to address the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you and listen carefully to what I have to say. These people are not drunk, first of all. Okay, that's good, Peter. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning, which I love that. And that just, that's honest, right? No, this is what was spoken about by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Verse 18, even on my son, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Let me explain something to you. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would come upon people to empower them for their work of service. But there are only very, very, very few people that the Spirit would come upon for them to fulfill their works of service. Who were those people? Three types of people. Prophets, priests, and kings. So throughout the Old Testament, you will see that the Spirit comes upon somebody to empower them for their work of service. In Israel, they're either prophets, priests, or kings. And Joel says a day is coming when it won't just be for prophets, priests, and kings, but he will pour out his Spirit on all people. In other words, everyone will have the same spirit that the prophet, that the priest, and that the king had on them. It will be for everyone, for the male and the female, for the young and for the old. And so Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he says, let me tell you, this is what God spoke about to the prophet Joel, that in the last days he would pour out his spirit upon all people. What is the day of Pentecost about? It's about the democratization of the Spirit's power. In other words, the Spirit's power is not just for the select few anymore. It's not just for the lucky few. It's not just for the people of power. But now the Spirit's power is available for everyone. We're a kingdom of priests and that you can have the Spirit's power and you can have the Spirit's power and you can have the Spirit's power. Are you following me? This is radical. You mean the same Spirit that was on Isaiah can be on you? (sighs) Can I take it a step further? The same Spirit that Jesus did his ministry under, he's now pouring out his Spirit so so he can continue his ministry through you. Wow. Wow. Roger Stronstadt, in his seminal work, The Charismatic Theology of St. Luke, said this, the prophetic gift of the Spirit is to be no longer restricted to a specifically called and endowed charismatic leaders as it was in the Old Testament times. Indeed, in the last days, the gift of the Spirit is to be potentially as potentially universal as the gift of grace. In other words, all of God's people have this power available to them now. King David. <laughs> you know, right? I mean, that's the, that's the picture. Whew. This was revolutionary. Why? Because God wants to empower all of his people to bring in the, the harvest of the last days where every tongue, tribe, and nation would proclaim the glories of Jesus. All right. Well, what was... I haven't used my notes at all. okay. So what was the, um, the evidence for the day of Pentecost? The evidence of the day of Pentecost is simple. Peter, after he gives the explanation of, the, of what happened, he keeps talking, he keeps preaching. He preaches his very first ever sermon. And you know how it ends? It ends with Peter. It says this, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart in other words, the power that Peter spoke with was greater than his vocabulary. There was a power of the Holy Spirit that was on his words. It was empowered by the Holy Spirit and they were cut to the heart. And what was the result of it? Those who accepted the message were baptized that day. And about 3,000 were added to their number. Okay. Okay. They went from a church of 120 to 3,120. How many people say it's a pretty good day? How? Because Peter was such a great orator? No. Because of the Spirit's power at work on Peter's life. That's how it happened. In fact, I pulled out my calculator and my phone. If you're wondering... That was a 2,500% growth in one day. Not a bad day. Could you imagine 3,000 people getting saved in one day at UVA and baptized? How much water would that be? How long would that line be at the hub? You know what I mean? Or wherever we're at, right? Right? But here's what I want you to remember: before the day of Pentecost, Peter's the one when Jesus is arrested, who's standing by a coal fire, and a servant girl comes up to him and says, "Hey, aren't you one of the Galileans who was with Jesus?" And he denies Christ because he was too scared. But after the day of Pentecost, the same guy who was a coward stands up in front of at least three thousand people and says, "They're not drunk." This is what Joel said. And then he preached the gospel. I just had to exclaim it because, I mean, to speak over 3,000 people without a sound system, he had to be doing that, right? And 3,000 people cut to the heart, and he's like, we better baptize them. And the guy who was a wavering wimp with no courage is now a man of boldness and power. How did it happen? Holy Spirit came on him, and it changed everything. I told you whenever I was your age, I was 17, right before I went off to college, I had my own Pentecostal experience, if you will, my own day of Pentecost, my own Acts 2 experience. I, was, I went to a small country church, and I went because, like uh, Thomas did, because as long as you live under this roof, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> you're going to church. So on Sunday night, I found myself at church, and that faithful Sunday night, this lady by the name of Marianne Harewood came up to me, and she said, uh, Pete, I was in prayer today, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me You're to go to church camp. And I said, well, he didn't speak to me. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, I can't, I got to work. She said, no, you don't. I said, yeah, I do. She said, no, you don't. My husband's your boss and you're off. I was working at this blue chip company called McDonald's. And anyways, uh, her husband was the overseer of three McDonald's. And she said, in fact, I'm so convinced that the Holy Spirit told me this. We're going to pay your way to camp and we're going to pay your lost wages for the week. Well, that's what putting your money where your prophecy is. You know what I'm saying? Like, at that point, I'm like, "Well, I guess I'm going to church camp." You know? Now, here's what you need to understand. At this point, I'm mean, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. I, I I'm not following Jesus. I if you feel lukewarm, half baked, and wonder tonight, I was you. I was. I mean, Jesus was not at the forefront of my mind or my heart at all. Okay. Oh, by the way, let me tell you, there was no one from my church going to camp. So it wasn't like, hey, there's 19 and we got 20 seats, why don't you take the last one? No, it was like, uh, you're driving yourself. So I go to this camp, begrudgingly so, cornered. In, I, the only reason why I went, because I was in a corner, okay? They're going to pay me to go. <laughs> okay, I'll go. So I go to the camp, and across the stage was this huge banner, Okay, this was before all the cool graphics. This was just a white banner with red letters that was like 10,000 font, okay? It just said, the greatest week of your life. And and I remember the camp director got up there and said, this is going to be the greatest week of your life. And there were 600 people at this camp and 599 were yeah! And I was standing in the back and I kid you not, with my arms folded, I know none of them. And I said to myself, fat chance. I didn't want to be there. That Tuesday night, the speaker was speaking, and he used as his main metaphor, there's a new release movie out at that time, and and so he was using it as his his major metaphor. It was called The Lion King. (laughs) 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 I just dated myself, right? Like, whoa, he is old. And all I can say, I don't remember anything he said. I can tell you the conviction of the Holy Spirit came over me, and I began to weep. This hardened 17-year-old, I, okay, I had an, an earring, and, and that, that's not, okay, don't get sidetracked by that, but. <laughs> who'd slept with my girlfriend right before I came, and, and I'm not against earrings, but mine was a symbol of my rebellion. Yours isn't. Okay, so just so we get that clear. <laughs> Yours isn't. Yours isn't. Okay. I sat there and I began to weep. And all of a sudden, this girl reached over and tapped me on the shoulder. I'm like, Who is that? I don't know anybody. And she said, do you want to go forward? I said, No. So about five minutes later, ten minutes, I don't know how many... She, I'm like, who is this? <laughs> later I found out her name is Jenny. Like, oh, I don't know. She said, you want to go forward? I'm like, ah, okay. So I go forward, and I stand off to the right-hand side of the stage. And I've been repenting, and the Lord was doing a cleansing work in my heart. And the worship band's playing, and and I raised my hands and I just, just began to worship Jesus. And as I worshiped Jesus, the Holy Spirit came on me in a way I'd never experienced in my entire life, didn't even know it was possible. And I began to pray in tongues. And I'm thinking in my head, oh my goodness, you're praying in tongues. But I just keep doing it because I did not want it to stop, and I think I shut the place down. And then that night, I remember I walked back to my room and I got in the bunk bed. I was like, something's different. The next morning, the people in my room, we all got together. the counselor, like, anybody have anything they want to say? I raised my hand. They're like, Yeah, Pete, what do you want to say? I said, I don't know if you've ever been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I recommend it. (laughs) I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit like 10, 12 hours, okay? I couldn't explain it to you. All I knew is I recommend it. My girlfriend at that time drove up three and a half hours one way because we were so enslaved to each other. Couldn't go a whole week without seeing each other, right? And she sees me. I hadn't told her what happened. We were walking to dinner because they could come up on Wednesday night and have dinner and come to the service. And she sees me, and she starts crying. I haven't told her what happened. I said, why are you crying? Direct quote, she said, because you're not the same Pete I fell in love with. And I said, you're right, I'm not. And I told her what happened. This is all 24 hours into it, okay? She was so physically upset on her way home, her three and a half hour drive home, she had to pull over on the side of the interstate to throw up. Because she was so physically upset by what she observed. Well, I come back, and they said, I heard you had a good week at church camp. I was like, yeah. They're like, will you share your testimony? So I shared my testimony at church. I stood up. Well, the youth group's back, that's me. And I shared my testimony and as I got done sharing my testimony Donna Girth stopped me she said I thought you were going to preach up there that was the first time my name and preaching had ever been in the same sentence or conversation in fact I remember that night my ex-girlfriend we were at McDonald's sitting in a booth and I said Donna Girth stopped me and said I thought you were going to preach up there and here was her response ha you a preacher that's the funniest thing I ever heard anyways that's yeah (laughs) Why do I say that, guys? Because no one saw it coming. My life has never been the same. Never. I was filled with the boldness. I mean... I got so radical for Jesus, I would talk to anybody. Now, I didn't know a lot. I need to get discipled. That's why everything that I said about what Jesus did, that was important, because I needed some of that, because I had all this boldness, but I needed discipleship. But when those two things came together, powerful. Now, I want you to know this. I do not think I'm better than anybody I don't think I'm better than somebody who hasn't had this experience. I, that is not the point. So don't think I, I'm saying I'm better than other people. I don't think that. Here's what I do know. I'm a better me. I'm a more empowered me. I'm not trying to outdo anyone. I was so, such a mess. But when the Spirit empowered me, things changed. And it was like I had a bigger yes to say yes to. And so I didn't fear man anymore. I just wanted to tell them about Jesus. And I can tell you this: You wouldn't want me to be your campus pastor if that faithful day didn't happen. Well, first of all, they'd never let me. Here's my desire. Someday you have a story. And your story is going to be different than my story. But you're going to say, I love Jesus. I was walking with Jesus. And then he baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And filled me with a boldness and a power that I never knew. That's my hope. I don't pressure anybody into anything. I don't want to coerce anybody into anything. I want to invite you. So how does that happen? Well, what was Jesus doing when the Holy Spirit descended upon him? Do you know what Jesus was doing? Luke tells us what Jesus was doing because Luke cared a lot about this. Look what Jesus was doing. As he was what? Praying. Heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him. What was Jesus doing? What was Jesus praying for? We're not told, but I bet I can guess. He was praying for the power of the Holy Spirit, and the Father answered. And then you know what Jesus says when he teaches on prayer? Here's what he says later in Luke, because Luke is so (laughs) fixated on this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the what? Holy Spirit to those who ask him. If you want more of the spirit in your life, ask, pray. What were they doing on the day of Pentecost? It says they met together to pray in chapter one, day after day after day. So they were likely praying and a mighty rushing wind came and they were filled like a sail was filled with the wind and empowered with God's spirit. And it was the flashpoint that took them from a ragtag group of Galileans to the gospel going unhindered in Rome. I heard some reports of some people getting together this past week to pray. Say, Holy Spirit, we just want more of you. And I'm like, yes! What a great thing to pray. And you know what? The disciples did that for 10 days before anything happened. Thomas talked about how he had done that for a long time. This is for you. This isn't just for the mature. I was not mature. No, this is by grace. This isn't just for the missionary, it's for people in the marketplace. Because in Acts 6, you see people who aren't vocational ministers. This is happening, this had happened to. Okay, this is for everyone, all of God's people. The young and the old. The male and the female. And so there's no coercion. There's no pressure. My heart. I want my kids to have this. I want to commend God's power to another generation. The worship team will come. And so tonight, as we close, I don't know what, your, what theological camp you find yourself in. I'm not worried about a theological camp, to be frank with you. Because here's what I know. If I went up to each of you and said, are you experiencing all of the power of the Spirit that you believe God has available for you? I doubt any of us would say yes. And so what I hope is, is that with a humility of heart and a hunger of heart, we open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. And we pray like Jesus prayed when the Spirit came upon him, like the disciples prayed when the Spirit came upon them, and we, like Jesus told us. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now, some of you have a lot of questions. You're amazed and perplexed. Tomorrow, I'm going to be at the Hub from 3 to 5. Just to have conversations with anybody who wants to talk. I welcome good questions. Here's what I want. I just want to see all that God wants to do in your life. Be done. That's it. Will you stand? So as we close in worship, I want to encourage you. Open your heart to the Holy Spirit. take a moment. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Fill us with your power for Christ-exalting ministry. That we may have boldness and a power that's beyond our words. Pour out your Spirit among us. In Jesus' name. Lord, would you pour out your spirit upon us. Give us hearts that are humble, not proud. They're hungry and not complacent. That we may know the power of the spirit in our lives. That our ministry would not be minimized to mere words. But as Paul said, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. Pour out your Spirit upon us, O oh God, that your name would be glorified. you to have a seeking heart. God's got good things for you. His power is for you. I'm sure you've tasted of some, but he has more. Oh, to commend the power of God to the next generation. If you have questions, like I said, I'll be at the hub. Loved, I love to just talk. I'm not. Please, please bring your honest questions. I, I get it. Let's open our hearts to what God would have for each of us for the benediction tonight. Oh, by the way, three to five though, for the benediction tonight. May God bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you may be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you and may he give you peace and may you walk in the spirit's power in the name of the father and of the son and the holy spirit amen have a wonderful spring break god bless you thank you for listening to the chi alpha at the university of virginia podcast For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.